Welcome, everybody, to uh, another edition, or the first edition, of Nerd Watch Nights, or uh, Todd's Mail Sack. Nerd Watch Magnum. We don't know what that. we're going to call it, so here's what we're going to do. Um, we're, yeah, we we are going to give it to you guys. What no, you if no. you guys think we should what what do you guys think yes. we should call this this it's it's a secondary podcast. I'm going to create all kinds of Facebook accounts. Yeah, just so to so load far, Nerdwatch Magnum. So far, we've got Mail Sack. We got we, no, we, no, we, we got Todd's got, Mail uh, Sack. Nerdwatch yeah, presents. Right. Apparently, it all comes out of emails from Todd. That's right. So, so this this second this second half is Nerdwatch presents Todd's Mail Sack, or email uh, doesn't come in a sack. <laughs> I'm starting to like You're Nerd doing Watch it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or Nerdwatch Magnum, courtesy of Alika. That's where my vote is. Uh, Nerdwatch Nights is from myself. We had Nerdwatch After Hours or Nerdwatch After Dark. Uh, but uh, but you guys decide. Spice Channel. Yeah. <laughs> you Nerd let us know. Um, uh, by the way, I am joined by, of course, uh, Todd Bernardi, uh, the one and only Swan, Alika, um, format, yeah. and, of course, Gannon. And, Gannon, <laughs> why why are you using an iPhone? Bernardi. Huh? Why are you using an iPhone? Because my V10 gave up the ghost. That soon? Are you yeah. guys anti-iPhone? What the heck, man? I uh, I tell you what, I, I don't like my I didn't iPhone. I think the Apple versus Mac debate still existed. I don't. I don't. Well, Apple versus Mac, they're, they're the same. I mean, I'm sorry. They're the same. Man, you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for Apple. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> you just got Gilmore. That sucks. I, I, I uh, that that your V10 crapped out so fast. Well, it's under warranty. So oh, that's good. Are really gonna talk about are you, what are you getting? Are you going to get the, the, the one with no, the... No, exclu- I'm getting my V10 back. Oh, you're getting it back? Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, you'd get yeah. the one... You didn't hear? You didn't want to get the one with Todd the... Todd exclu- wrote about your, your phone yeah. issues in his email. You didn't want to get... The- <laughs> <laughs> it's a three-page diatribe yeah. on my phone. You didn't want to get... The- well, there was... Well, because you had a lot of pictures of my mail sack. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to get the one with the exploding battery in it? No? That's the Note 7. Oh, is that the one? So okay. far, it's only the Korean model. Is it guaranteed oh, okay. to explode? <laughs> <There's been laughs> a lot of them have been. It's yeah. been only off the chain. Yeah. They, actually, they actually went and... And, and they're, they're doing a worldwide report. recall. It's pretty crazy. Well, they don't want to blow people's heads up like scanners. Yeah. You can, get, you can just get replacement. It's a faulty battery. All right. You know what I never, you know what I just realized? Here's what we didn't do. This This second podcast is devoted to... Random uh, conversations oh. about things that deal with nerd culture. Uh, it's not it's, we don't have we don't necessarily have a point like the Nerd Watch where we talk about movies and games and all that other stuff. <laughs> this is kind of like a listen. Our focus <laughs> gets less focused. Yes, our focus gets less focused here on Nerd Watch Nights or Nerd Watch presents Todd's Mail Sack <laughs> or Nerd Watch Magnum or Nerd Watch. After dark, It'll always be Nerdwatch. What if we just let people home. vote? That's what I'm saying. We should. Well, I, 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 Nerdwatch Max. My idea was Nerdwatch Men. <laughs> Nerdwatch what? Nerdwatch Men. Nerdwatch Men. Ooh, yeah. like a that's nice. Movie. I thought those were two separate words. Yeah. Nerdwatch Men. Like we Nerdwatch Men. Car uh, Ramrod. Uh, that's it. Nerdwatch Men. Question so mark. We show up and do the pod with uh, blue dongs. <laughs> <laughs> who who watches who watches the nerd watch? <laughs> who watches no the nerd watch? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> nerd watch Ru- Ru- men. Oh, okay. All right, good. It's my mail sack that's scaring everybody away. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the blue dong. Okay, good. It's the so, blue mail so sack. The blue dog is the is the watch. Todd's blue mail sack. That's, <laughs> the, that's the name of this pod. Well, here's what we haven't had a chance to talk about in the first half of the show. Uh, Todd, I actually know. have to apologize for that because Todd's blue mail sack sounds bad. <laughs> 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 you know, I think about it, it's, uh, like, it's it's like man, you should go see a doctor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, here's what we want or, to talk or about. Say, or you know, tell your wife sorry. <laughs> Todd. <laughs> no, don't, yeah. Well, you know. once again, good old Todd is. I have uh, to tell her that all uh, good so old, about that email. Yeah, yeah. Good old Todd is. Uh, Grace us with some interesting conversations that we can have on this show for the next forty-five to fifty minutes. Good old blue mail sack. Yeah, yeah. Um, Todd emailed me again this week. By the way, you may all get a little more traction on subjects you'd like to speak about if you email me because Todd is the only guy that does. So I just thought I'd throw it yeah. out. Yeah, I use send that it, podcast send... <laughs> that you made. Yeah, I know, right? For the same reason, but you know, if hey. I'd have known that we're just emailing you. I right. Yeah. I made a Facebook group, but you know, it's Todd's personal touch of emailing. Well, I, even, I, I mean, I I don't want to compete with it. Separate. So I'm, I'm going to send you like a snail mail. <laughs> yeah. thing. 
No, but <laughs> mail, it, mail, it, mail it tonight. <laughs> write it right here. And then put like the wax seal on the back. There's a, mail, there's a mailbox right outside in front of Amigos. So I you're, actually you're good. use it quite often. Well, here is, uh, here's one of the cool things about what Todd emailed me about. First of all, it has to deal with comic books. Secondly, um, it also has to deal with uh, a very special birthday that happened, uh, that happens but once a year. Um, Happy birthday format. We were talking about you. Um, it is uh, one of uh, the all-time comic book legends' birthdays, and that's uh, Mr. Jack Kirby. Uh, it's his birthday, and uh, well, it, it, it was his birth. It was it was his birthday, August twenty seventh. Okay, there you go. And uh, now, what's interesting is that, of course, that two weeks ago. So, of course, <laughs> <laughs> this is a week ago. Of course, Jack Ish. Kirby's work Last is. Month. What influences all the Comic Cons around the country? Kirby dots. Um, and uh, at, Kirby crackle. And, and uh, of course, that mm. that also that's also because of, or that's it's also why we're doing a Maui Comic Con uh, this November, courtesy of uh, Maui Comics and Collectibles. Um, it's called Maui Comic. Kirby Comic-Con. Maui Kirby Comic-Con. <laughs> Just Maui Comic-Con. Oh, it's <laughs> not? Oh, it's a, yeah. Okay. We don't want to get sued by the Kirby estate. <laughs> I haven't seen the logo yet. So <laughs> yeah. That would be really cool. The, my, my, my blue mail sack is in the logo. You know, no. We could have, totally we could have a... No, Kirby. That sounds like no. a... Totally we could have a mascot. We could have a Kirby mascot. So the Maui Comic-Con... It It's possible. <laughs> or would it be Nintendo's Kirby? Nice touch it could be that because it sucks. Well, and you know, on, the topic, well. on yeah. the topic of Jack Kirby's birthday, like I've seen him in different mediums, people paying tribute to him or homage or whatever, <laughs> and it brought to mind one of my favorite episodes of the Ninja Turtles from one of my least favorite uh, runs of it, um, the 2003 series. Uh, and they, hmm. they they had an episode where Jack Kirby, they just called him um, Kirby. And he lives in the basement, and Donatello finds him, and he has, like, a pencil with, like, a magical crystal on it, and everything he draws comes to life. And then Kirby drew this interdimensional gate or door, mm -hmm. and they go into this universe where everything is in, like, Kirby style. But it's the, it's a Ninja Turtles episode, so it's, like, the meeting of two amazing things in my life. Wow. It's interesting. Can I, I can I ask you something? No. Why? <laughs> that, 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 that cartoon came I'm out sorry. Years let, ago. let me be more specific. Can I ask you something? <laughs> Get on it, guys. Alika. Check it out. What's up? Um, you've never you, you you've always talked about your love for the turtles. What what is it about the turtles that you love so much? They're you reference the turtles a lot. Turtle power. Uh, <clears throat> they're green. <laughs> is that what it is? And mean. <laughs> they're, they're mean. <laughs> they're, they're yeah yeah yeah. Interesting. I just I was Everything. I was curious. What's not the little bubbles? Yeah, like, little things are you in the theme song? No, I'm just yeah. kind of curious. What you you reference the turtles a lot, so I was kind of curious why why the turtles out of. I'm obsessed. You are. That's why I want to know about it. I don't know. What, a, what do you well, want me to say? It's he's like a fanatic. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, it's like it's okay. You know the kids who were like amped up on Ninja Turtles in the mm -hmm. late mid or whatever eighties, and I was that kid, and now I just never snapped out of it. Mm -hmm. I could probably sue for damages. He was also. <laughs> are you are you a are you a fan now? Of course, yeah. So, so this run. is not pre. I, we, right there. True. Yeah, yeah. So this is not pre or post layered. You don't have any of that dangling over no, your head. No, but or... I mean, everybody knows the best stuff was when Peter and and Kevin, Kevin were. Yeah, and that's like the bulk of the universe, anyways. Like all the good stuff, and but the new run has a lot of original characters and new storylines that are. Hmm. Really, really good too. Let's not mention Alika was in that Turtle Power documentary. He was that kid when not they yet, came I out wish. to tell everyone the tickets were sold out. He'll be kicking his <laughs> on the ground. But even Kevin Eastman bringing it back to Jack Kirby, I mean, that's one of his like number one main influences. Oh yeah, I right. Think I, I think I missed it with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I uh, went to go see the movie in 1990, and they so were sold out good the first weekend. So I had to go see Joe versus the volcano. Ooh. I saw that in the theater too. <laughs> you know what's funny is that there were so many yeah. interesting. That's why I moved to Maui. What's cool about it is there were so many interesting comic book elements in Joe versus the Volcano. Yeah, it's funny. Like, it's like, it, it, but it just cloud. It just never really came to fruition, and whenever well, really... I was, a, you know, as a kid, I watched it, and for it to have the attention of a kid, yeah. I like. I know a lot of people my age who were watching it at that time. I mean, that's. That says something for just a boring movie about a guy who hates his job. Yeah, yeah. I was always, I was, I was always, I was always impressed. Getting back to the turtles, which we'll get back to Kirby, but the turtles movie—it's so weird that the turtles movie, the very first one, was so good, and for some reason the budgets got bigger with every subsequent sequel, but yet. 
The turtles got worse. The quality got worse. It's weird. Well, wasn't the second movie rush production? Yeah, they were just like, let's let's hit the jackpot before this thing wears off. I yeah. guess it, it just got really bad, and then it got the third one was just horrible. It yeah, was just like Peter the story Larry was all right. The story was, was the great, but the costumes it was all the, were terrible. It was the clicking and, and clacking like, of their teeth the whole time. It's just like, oh, just was you really could like see the actors. In I the, think in yeah. Yeah. Of it, I mean, the, well, the, the first frame at the perfectly lighted scene, you can. Oh, it's horrible. Well, the first the first movie was a comic. I mean, it was based on. Oh the yeah, comic. exactly. It's it like yeah, all the Earthbound stuff because by issue five they're already in outer space, but anything that occurred between the Foot Clan and Splinter and. And Shredder and all so, that. So for the second and third third movies, they couldn't they didn't have a big enough budget or the special effects to do what they had done past issue five. Yeah. So I think that they had to write kind of their own scripts and kind of come up with their own story based on what the budget. That's was. true, but then why not just stick with the original costumes, which is weird. Like, well, I yeah, mean, like they why trying... did they have to turn him into Jim Henson and then he's like, "You guys make a crappier version." Of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. It was uh, Their gen- liver spots got more bigger and yeah, pronounced. So and the, weird. The eye holes underneath the masks got. It bigger. was Jim Henson's son that was the like head. Brian, Brian, right? right? Yeah, Brian yeah. Henson. Is, is that his but name? But Jim Henson was alive during the first movie. Yes, yeah. he and was. He oversaw he a lot died, of it. He died two weeks. He actually objected to the Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, yeah so he, he had an active role in the movie, though. He didn't like it because there was too much. The violence, yeah, and that was a big deal when I was a kid. Like parents were. Wondering if they were going to let us go see it or not. It's so weird because I never, I never, I never thought that the, the turtles were violent. I always thought they they always. I, I never thought they were violent either. Like the time Leonardo cuts that foot soldier with his sword, I never thought that was very violent no, at all. But whenever, or whenever when Donatello were, shoves his yeah. bow staff in some guy's head, whenever or this nunchuck. Listen, don't. I never try, thought any of that was violent don't, at don't all. Don't try and make a, a cogent point, okay? Or Stop. when Casey Jones smashes that dude in the face with his hockey with his hockey stick, but it, but that didn't come across as violent felt, at all to me. It, it almost felt slapsticky, not not, not <laughs> violent. <laughs> you and I watch very yeah. different movies. Wait a minute. So that would mean that would mean that Home Alone is a very violent movie. It is. It, it is. is. <laughs> and but it's slapstick. That would mean that the Three Stooges. It's played for laughs, but you know what? The, it's only very the music. You put the music a little more serious and you watch it. If you put the, the music to the Saw series yeah. of a Home Alone movie, it's an entirely different movie. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> if, wait, who was the one that died of brain damage? Larry Co- Curly? Uh, Larry? I think it was Curly. Curly. I think Curly, at the very end, I think it was Curly that was having an issue with his yeah. uh, with his cranium, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, so, like I said, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Cranium. So, So slapstick actually is very violent, and somebody died from it. No, the reason why he left from – no, it wasn't, it wasn't because of that. The reason why he left, Curly left, was because he just felt like he he could never be taken seriously. Like everything was him being Curly. That's oh, why he had to okay. finally get out of that. He just he, yeah. It wasn't something that he wanted to – And then we got Joe. And then right, we, no, got, we got Joe Dorita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we got Joe Besser. Oh. That's, but, that's who you guys are going to Joe Besser was the, the Joe Besser was the one that had the, the feminine yeah. quality You're about him. Chef. Well, hopefully we'll luck out and get a Shep. Yeah. Shemp was awesome. Yeah. Shemp was awesome. By the way, you do have kind of Shemp. Well, no, you don't have Shempy hair. He's, um, apparently he it. looks like everybody. Shemp? No, I'm talking no. about Todd. Todd, like, Todd looks like He looks everybody. like Shemp. He looks like Michael McDonald. Mm-hmm. George Lucas. Lucas. Lucas, Lucas. it's spot on. Baby Lucas. Lucas he looks like McDonald's. my honey pie. Yeah, it's crazy. Who? You look like my honey pie. So, <laughs> Rainbow Dash? Yeah. Oh, when oh, we were God. talking about Kirby. Yes, yes, yes. his birthday. Je- it was because. Oh, it's we're it's weird that Todd kind of looks like him. It's, I don't know. It was Man, because. Jack Kirby is the eyebrows. You wish you looked got, like Jack Kirby. <laughs> it's because no you wanted to talk about creators, right? Yes, yes, yes. Right. So let's get back. To yeah, that. yeah, let's let's let since since we're I trying to stay on right. somewhat of a course here, uh, Jack Kirby, uh, give us the reason why you What's wanted to talk that? about oh. Jack Kirby. Number one and number two, how does this deal with with comic book creators today, Sir McDonald? <laughs> so uh, you have to Jack, sing it. you have to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Today, no, I, I, I got it. I, we already established I do a terrible impersonation. Um, wow. Uh, so uh, Jack Kirby had to sue uh, Marvel eventually because he didn't like the way that he was being treated. He didn't. Like well, let's the, start off. Um, that's where let, let's let's kind of give a little bit of a backstory. That's where Jack Kirby was started. Yeah, Jack Kirby started. Well, Jack Kirby started at Timely Comics. Right, right. No, but what I'm saying is that his big, his big was and his big, his big character at Timely Comics was Captain America, and he drew Captain America punching 
uh, Hitler right in the face. Right in the face. Before the United States was even in World War II. Right in his punum. And um, there, he was he was he was Jewish, and he had a lot of uh, family in Europe, and he was very um, worried about them, and worried about the situation that was happening in Europe, and he thought that at some point uh, the U.S. was going to get dragged in that conflict, and he needed and he wanted to um, try to promote um, the uh, American industrial spirit. Um, and he wanted to try to get um, people motivated to stand up against that kind of tyrant. Tyranny. Yeah. Yes. And so um, they were and, – and it was also a reaction to um, the, the, uh, the, the, the success of Superman. So, um, you know, you, you've already got Superman, and, and Captain America can, is, is Marvel's answer to, to Superman. Um, and then afterwards, he did, um, I mean, he, he did a ton of comic books for Timely, and then afterwards he did a ton of comic books for, uh, he did a ton of pages for X-Men, and he worked for uh, probably over 30 years um, in the industry. And then he decided that the... the the wage and the con- the creative control that he he was getting wasn't adequate. Right, you're saying that he gave up too much control to the publisher. Well, he didn't really have a choice. Um, of course, because uh, the way that they paid him, he was paid as a freelancer, and he was. Um, in, in, so in, in to. It, the way that they pay their freelancers back in the day, pre nineteen seventy, before they changed the copyright laws, was that if you signed the back of your check, you were signing away the rights and um, artwork um, away by cashing that check. So they had a little thing on the back of the check that said, "By cashing this, you um, renounce all your rights to your work." Interesting. Okay. And <clears throat> and so there's this phenomenon pre nineteen seventy called the work for hire. When a lot of these comic books, like the Hulk and like Thor, and um, Steve Ditko is another case, like Spider-Man. You mean like independent contractor stuff? Yeah. Okay. And so they they signed away their their control by cashing these checks, and they weren't even being paid that much. And then on the back end, Marvel was taking it and licensing it to um, animation studios and toy companies, and they were making fistfuls of cash on top of the comic books with these characters that Jack Kirby was creating and designing and made, making popular. Uh, in the, in the, in pre-1970, you know, from 1939 to 1970, early 1970s, they were, um, comic books was it. That was your cartoon. That was your yeah. television show. That They didn't, you know, the people that couldn't access, that didn't have a television set in their, their home, that, that didn't, um, go to the movies that often, you know, that was their entertainment. Sure. And so they really promoted the character that way. Um, and then people were, and then they were licensing the character. So they were making a ton of money doing this. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then Jack finally said, like, well, you guys are making a lot of money on, and, and I think that there was also his, um, his relationship with Stan Lee was getting pretty strained at this point, too. Because Stan was saying, I really want this character to do this. And then Jack would come in with a fully drawn story with a suggested dialogue for everything. And basically would write, draw, and ink the entire story. He'd plot everything, but then he wouldn't get very much credit. He, they would say, well, he's a penciler, and he inked it, he did the art, but they wouldn't say that he was a co-creator. Right. So who does that... So, so getting everybody involved in this interesting conversation, who does, uh, who does the fault lie with? Does the fault lie with the guy who is cashing the check and doing the work and saying that he reserve, he resigns his rights in that check, yeah. or is it is it is it the publisher? Um, because they're well, do- what happened with, with the the legal situation changed because the, the United States federal government changed the copyright law in the early 1970s. Right. And so um, afterwards, uh, Marvel and DC found out that they were kind of like basically what they were doing was illegal. Right, um, and they couldn't do it anymore, so they sent a one-page contract to all the artists to sign, so that they would 
um, relinquish all their past and future rights. Yeah. And so and so Jack wouldn't sign it. And and right about 1970 or, or a little bit later, he uh, he decided to stop working for Marvel and then uh, worked for DC through the 70s and then did a lot of independent work and then also did a lot of concept art. Like he designed Thunder the Barbarian and that. Kind they of just thing. recently uh, released in Heavy Metal one of his older stories that he did with um, a freelance writer, The Lord of Light, mm-hmm. which was <clears throat> which is pretty interesting looking. You can see it was that time kind of time period in like the early eighties when when he was um, when he was working on like uh, after the New Gods and stuff like that. But it's, you can see a lot of stuff that maybe didn't make it into that those books. The Lord of Light stuff was what he did for Argo. You know it, I mean? it was released previously? Well, no, he did, the Lord of Light was the name of the movie that the people um, that were trying to free uh, the um, captives of the CIA. That was oh, the, yeah, really? J- yeah, Jack Kirby designed the artwork for that fake movie. Really? Yeah. Do they talk about that in the movie? They talk about that in uh, in the movie, and they talk about it in the, the heavy metal issue, too. Oh, wow. That the Lord of Light stuff was, was actually for... It was supposed to be this type of like Star Wars-type movie, and they said that it fell through, but really it was just a, a CIA... Yeah, just a cover to get in there. Yeah. Interesting. So, Just a reason to make a Ben Affleck movie. Well, what's funny is, is that <laughs> yeah. it, it takes... It takes... It takes progress... To happen in order for things to change, so of course that there there are some like Jack Kirby who probably got kicked in the teeth by things like or this. Siegel and Schuster. Siegel and Schuster. They got kicked in the teeth. Or Ditko. Ditko. You know. So I mean, those. Bill Finger. Yeah. Those. Those. Yeah. The Bill. The Bill Finger. And that's the Jer- even Jerry, just like... And the Jerry Robinson Bill Finger thing is contentious because. Uh, Bill Finger thinks that he created Joker. Jerry Robinson. I was going to say Jerry Robinson jo- gets credit on Joker yeah. mostly. Right now, now and then, and then of I've, course I, I've I've seen an interview with Stan Lee saying that he created Mjolnir, and he's like, well, or maybe my brother came up with it, and and that was just one of those funny words, and that they just you know decided to make, and I'm like, dude, that that's from that, that's mythology. from mythology, like that's. Yeah. That's actually from Nordic mythology. That's in the prose and the poetic edda. Like there, nobody made that up except for some Vikings about five. He's just 6, used to taking ago. credit, is what you're saying. Yeah, you know he. And then uh, Jack Kirby took credit for Spider-Man. <clears throat> I, I I heard an interview recently in 1990 where Jack Kirby took credit for Spider-Man, and Jack Kirby wrote and drew 12 pages of Spider-Man, and then got kicked off of it by Stanley. They're like, we're not going to publish this. I'm going to give it to Ditko. And then Ditko came in and did the, the page, did the rest of the pages. Mm. There you go. Sorry. All right. So, so hang on a second. So, does that mean? Does that mean that if we were to ask now, in the popularity that Marvel is at this point, yeah, uh, and Stanley holding the uh, uh, chairman emeritus, yeah. which is basically a nothing title, just a, a sign of respect, would that make Stanley kind of a turncoat among his peers? Yeah. Interesting. Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby, for uh, the last thirty-four years of his life, said that he created the Fantastic Four. He said that he wrote it, he plotted it, he drew it, he inked it, he gave all of the dialogue suggestions, and then uh, Stan went in and basically rewrote his dialogue suggestions for Fantastic Four number one. And then uh, um, Stanley was like, "No, it was my idea." to do a thing about a team, about a bunch of different types of people that end up going out and getting affected by this, you know... Cosmic radiation. Cosmic radiation. It's interesting. I mean, we're sitting here doing something that, you know, a lot of comic books-centered um, podcasts don't do. We're kind of crapping on the uh, on the the good name of Stan Lee and all Stan of the... Stan Almighty. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just got to tell it like it is. I mean, he, yeah. d- he did great things for the comic industry. Yeah. He's a showman and everything, but it's just certain things that happen between him and the business side yeah. of things that are just undeniable. You can't... No, he he, he created the brand and he created the, he created a, uh, the um, uh, interests, you know? He, he got people He kind of really, created that whole back-of-the-house vibe too yeah. that kind of got... The like, Marvel bullpen. The bullpen and everything. and The merry marching Marvel So is it, yeah. is it wrong that Stan Lee wanted to play ball and the other guys didn't? Well, what happened with Stan Lee was he was hired as a head writer and editor-in-chief. 
So as head writer, he had his um, toes and fingers in a lot of different pies. He was in Fuck other Kirby. meetings that Jack Kirby would not have been in. Man, I had wished we had brought this up when Joel Rubenstein was sitting here. I would have loved to have talked about that. Well, yeah. we can hear what Steve Lealoha has to say about it at the con. Oh, that would be cool, too. I never thought yeah, about that. He's, he's been there since the Bronze Age, so he's yeah. he's been there. And speaking of the Bronze Age and all this terrible stuff that happens to creators and writers and uh, of characters... Um, then you got to bring up the the comic book uh, legal defense fund. Yeah, that that was started by Neil Adams in the seventies. Right. Yeah. When you know he he's an iconic creator, and of course he's working on already created properties. But even his art, like he found that he couldn't keep any of his art, which is like that's a lot of money. Even, even back then, it wasn't that much money, but people had the foresight to know that by the seventies, comics were so revered. I don't think it I, – I, but here's the thing, and you guys can maybe speak to this. The When you work for somebody, it's not it's not uncommon for them to say, okay, you know, whatever you like, – like even at jobs now. I remember working for a couple of companies that would say that – that had nothing to do with creating anything. Mouth but watch. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, no. But they would say that they're, it's not. It's it's about selling something. If but if you come up with an idea and they use your idea, you lose uh, out on the idea, uh, or you don't you don't get credit for the idea because it now belongs to the company because you did it under the company banner. So it's nothing new. I mean, no, but it didn't happen in comic books. It didn't happen in comic strips. The guys that got uh, the guys, the guy that Prince Valiant, uh, Milton Kniff, he was really upset about uh, the way that the uh, syndicate was hand- handling Terry and the Pirates. Um, so he went off and created something else and right. made sure to keep his copyright. Right, and they made him a million. Okay, so th- so does that mean that we should be looking? And and maybe this is where Bernardi's and maybe this is where Bernardi's. Disdain for Marvel comes from. I'm guessing. Yeah, it does. Okay, um, do we hold that against? It's a disdain for uh, DC too, right? But do we hold? That's what I was about to say. Do we hold that against them? I don't think any company is innocent. No, but that's what I'm saying. Everybody's got their thing. Do we hold? Do we hold those things against them? Yeah. Now, I mean, like, let's put it this way: Stan Lee technically doesn't work for Marvel. He's just a figurehead. Do we hold that against him? I mean, after all of these years, still? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that he's. I mean, he's always said that I work with really, really um, gifted artists. And he's always tried to give a lot of credit to his collaborators and to his credit. But he will never say that he didn't create Spider-Man, and he and a lot of people are saying that he didn't create Spider-Man. You know, there there are people. Steve Ditko has said that, like, you know, he did the same thing with Jack Kirby. It was the same kind of thing. Like, you know, Steve Ditko would come in with the whole thing plotted, with dialogue suggestions, and then the guys would just basically letter it, and then Stanley would kind of sign his name off on it as head writer, and then edit it, and then send it off to the printer. Interesting. And Stan Lee always says it's because I was so busy because I was trying to write fifteen books a month, and that could be true. But give the guy, give the other guys some credit. Give them some control. Let them have a piece of the pie. Let them have a bigger piece of the pie. I mean, they were making tons of money. And mm-hmm. then on top of it, Ditko never made any money off those Spider-Man movies. He's never made any money off of the Spider-Man merchandise uh, ancillary to the to the comic books. He gets a byline and he gets some royalties because of the Spider-Man comic. And I think maybe also the movies and the... You know, but something about that doesn't feel right, but you have to kind of delve deeper into the what is ownership and, and creatorship and stuff like that. Like, you know, we weren't in that room. We don't know exactly who did everything. Well, so, and that's, and that's the, the, whole, the whole thing is like, oh, these guys work for hire, you know? These guys, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how know, they excused it. That's how the they day. excused it. They're Obviously, like, they did a lot more than just that, but... Yeah, they're like, well, they created this... But the thing is, the idea when they created it was like, I just need to, you know, make money. I need to, I need to um, get some groceries. I need to provide for my family. And they, and comic books, were not collectible in the 30s and 40s. They weren't collectible even into the 60s. Right now, let, so, let, let's let's uh, now so that like, was what I wanted to ask you next. Yeah. So I want to ask all of you guys this: in those days. There was no, there was no way that this, what we currently have, could ever have been imagined. None, 
right? Well, I, so let's put it this no, way. I'm going to give credit right now to a bunch of the collectors in the early early days of collecting that there are people who no, but were what comic I, collectors and very diehard. I mean, the first Comic Con was the San Diego Comic Con was in 1977, right? There had to have been years and years, and I, and I know for a fact there are circles of collectors that go back to the Silver Age and go back to the Golden no, Age. No, but what I'm saying is is that there was no way, if we think about it, Marvel, who's a publisher. Well, right? I'm saying those people who were very rabidly fanatic about it did have the foresight. The first person to pay over $100 for a back issue of a comic, right. that person had foresight. Right. That well, person did see this stuff coming. But in the 30s and in the 40s and in My the 50s. My mentor, Bruce Ellsworth, who sold, was the first person to sell a Superman comic for over five figures and was featured on CNN in 1984. Right. Like those kind of people knew that this is where it was going. But what I'm saying is though back in those days when they were working on they were working in pennies and they were and publishers were producing these comics that weren't necessarily flying off the shelves per se. For, for all of the ink that it took, for all the paper that it took, for all the printing that it took, how are they going to get paid? You understand I, what I'm saying? My, a lot well, of that, guys, something about that doesn't jive because yeah, that exactly. was the you tell primary. Me. That was a primary form of entertainment for kids and it, young adults, and it was. But and it was a way. It was they basic. printed comics in the millions and hundreds of thousands. And it, and it, and comics it, will never be printed. In that and a lot again. of those publishers had stakes with. They were just like, I want to get somebody to buy an advertisement for a toy. How do I do that? Well, I'm going to take all of these Sunday strips and I'm going to collect them. In, well, you know, you're the, talking back in the Max Gaines day, or like the pulp days, but when they first created what is a comic book, right? So that so it they're came just trying from, to but all drive those, ad revenue for publishers and exactly all those all those early publishers um, had stakes in all of the advertisements that were running in the back of like they were they were they were also toy companies, yeah. So they were trying to sell whistles and stuff to to kids, and they're like, how are we going to get? Like they were like, man, it costs too much to advertise with these other magazines. How can we get kids to to read this stuff and read the ads? And that's what happened. I think that that and then that drove sort of this idea for uh, new material for comic books. Right. So they were like, well, we need to, we're running out of strips. We need new material. And they were just like, we just need um, we need something for our ads because we own the ads. And we can pay these guys right, cheap. and that's what, and that's what I'm saying is like let's let's I mean and so me, and so basically I, I mean I, I I get what you're saying is like yeah. the, the thesis is that these guys um, never thought that it was that anything other than a disposable piece of and, paper. right, and then the thing is is that the publisher would go and say, hey, listen, um, what what. If you if you look at it if 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 we look at it that way it wouldn't be a two pr- it would be a two prong process of getting the the getting the pu- the writers okay and the creators okay and then the publisher yeah. the thing is as is that if that were the case back in those days or even in the seventies like we're talking about here we would never get a lunchbox or an action figure or a playset yeah. or anything like none of these things would have ever under come Rouge. to fruition or under none of these things would have happened if if there was that process, in my opinion, I don't think that these things that we we relate to ever would have really been a thing, and that is where I think that that's where they that's where they knew that the appeal was going to be with these kids was them buying stuff other than the comic. They wanted to buy more well, than just I mean, comics. That's obvious, right? Because we are children of the eighties. We're like especially. A proof to that rule because in 1982 or three, yes, a uh, law was repealed that was created in the 60s that sh- strictly forbid, um, you know, to have like a half an hour broadcast without any substantive things aimed at or directed at children. Basically, saying you couldn't make a commercial or anything that was you know longer than a commercial or not stated at, that it was a commercial. And then that year we got Transformers in America. Yeah. And if Transformers would have been illegal a year before. Commerce! Form- Format Commerce, and Gannon yeah. are still here. They heard Transformers. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just proof to the Michael rule. Michael Bay. I, you got to make it financially <laughs> viable to, 
you know, for it to perpetuate itself. Right. I, absolutely. And 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 for and I will admit this, I there is no reason why when Marvel would make money and they would be able to turn a profit with other things other than the comic that they wouldn't go back to the creator and go, "Hey, listen, I know you're giving up all the rights to this, but here is some more money." Or here's your cut of what we made off of this. I right. understand that right. completely, and I think that that a lot of that has I think that a lot of that has changed, especially with especially with the birth of Image, yeah. um, um, and independent. Com- I, I think now, and this is so funny in the in the age of the internet that we live, anything is possible for anybody. Anybody can make their own movie. Anybody can make their own music. Anybody can make their own comic. You know, it's not like it was. It, we weren't. You know, it wasn't Siegel and Schuster. You know, uh, in, in in their bedroom, just coming up with an idea on a piece of paper with a pencil, and then writing a story, and then trying to find somebody to, you know, to publish it. It still kind of goes that way too. It, it does, but I mean, the fact that the, the internet and social media exists there, becomes a now different. Now you have to, you have to, if you want to get distributed by Diamond, you have to, you know, get a certain number of. Um, you got to sell a certain amount of copies. Yeah. Right. And I, so there's still people trying the to irony get on that is, bandwagon. The irony is last week, around. Tuesday, me, Format, and Todd were all talking about you know, uh, the Hawaii Comic Book Alliance starting their own little image platform, you know, and it, which would be an interesting concept. Uh, 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 creators still own their creations yeah. and would be paid in, in, as such. Yeah. But you did bring up an interesting point. It would all everything would change once money starts trading yeah. hands. No, yeah. So I mean, for as and much it, and, it, and it happened with Image too, right? So I mean, for as much as and and please forgive me for saying this, for as much as we believe publishers and things of that are dicks, they really do take the they. I mean, they take quite a hard stance on these things. But I mean, it, it would happen. It would happen to anybody in the first place. Mm, I well, think. Barton Goodman, who started Timely Comics, was just a capitalist, and he wasn't an artist, and he was really interested in kind of exploiting um, the the advertising revenue and right. and the toys that were being advertised in the back of these comics. Like, really, he wanted more people buying something that he already owned, um, and he also owned some pulp publishers too. And he was making a, a decent wage on that. And I think that really what he was trying to do was just he was a businessman trying to get more people um, buying get, buying inexpensive entertainment. Can anybody tell me – can anybody tell me how much money comic books profited from those damn X-ray glasses that were in the back of every single comic book? A thousand percent. Five dollars. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Every time I would look in the back of a comic, there would be that list of super cool stuff that you could buy. And I always thought that – I always thought the X-ray glasses are always my favorite because I always I thought that they were real. I want to know how many muscle-bound dudes in the 70s owed their physique <laughs> to those ads. Oh, man. I tell you. <laughs> You know, remember it's, like, the, it's a funny thing. I was a skinny little wimp, and then I saw this ad. <laughs> That's right. And then the X-ray, gla- the X-ray glasses—you could see through anything. And it's like, oh, I can't. I gotta get those glasses. And like, oh, it's like so ridiculous. Yep. The, the X-ray specs. I was yeah. advertising a D bag in there one time. It was a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Apparently, there was a printing of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's in the nineties. No, Interesting. They, 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 to put that in there. The the well, they would reprint like like old eighteen hundred. Like they were reprinting ads that were consistent with the era in which those characters lived. Right. As kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there were um, there were there were weird um, medicinal treatments. Yeah. From like the eighteen. It was a douchebag. So let's put it this way. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say douche, our, but now that you brought it up, I'm glad. We say can we say douche? Actually. Yeah, we can. Okay. My question is this: this so, dick did <laughs> this? The practice that you're speaking that you're the, the, the practice that you're speaking of so negatively, and the and the and the gray cloud that you're putting over the head of Stan Lee still does exist at Marvel and DC today, does it not? Yeah, well, and that's the point that um, that's the point that I'm, I would love to make with with most co- uh, casual comic book readers is that like comics are not fun, and you should think about what you're buying. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I get every time you talk. I'm yeah. like, Todd is sucking the joy out of what I love. Yeah. No, no, that's you not what talk. I'm trying to say. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying. I'm, I'm really well, glad you that you. I, I'm surprised you don't hang out the it's, front door and wave a sign. I'm just. I'm really Are you going in to buy comics? Please stop and think about no, what you're doing. I can see. No, I can see Todd hanging out in the bench going. Why are you coming here? Yeah. 
Steve Ditko died in poverty for your Spider-Man. For your Spider-Man. I hope no. you enjoy yeah. it. Wally Wood shot himself in poverty because of you. Amazing. Anyway, Todd, please. You know, Wally make Wood. Your point. Wally Wood, uh, sort of an alcoholic, but also uh, a diabetic, and ended up losing his eyesight and eventually uh, committed committed suicide. Good lord. And there's a lot of a lot of uh, the the initiative, the hero initiative that Alika had brought up earlier for. <laughs> Um, comic book artist was because that not only did they spend their lives um, uh, trying to contribute joy to other people's, and they had to and, live and, in such a miserable they had to live in such nobody miserable cared conditions. about them. Like That's right. well, one of the were, main were driving such... cases was the Siegel and Schuster case. Like yeah. they they had both died before anything. They went to court for that. Yeah. No, the well, families are going to court. The they're still they're still in court for that. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, that's crazy. But at so, least I, they've they've had a few victories. Like they have regular income from back, you know, back royalties owed and whatever. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, it's a it's a small fraction. But it's their family now. It's not them. It's, how much? It's the estate. How much? How much of that eight hundred million that Batman v Superman like made? Do you think that they're getting? Uh, probably uh, less than one percent. Yeah. So yeah. so I mean, like it's I, so it's it's something that like they they're. They don't. They first of all, they had to fight for credit. Then they had to fight for any kind of creative control, right? If they ever got it, right? Um, but, but first, what they wanted was credit, and then they wanted their artwork back. And so, I mean, Jack Kirby was a was is I think the quintessential case. I think uh, Joe, I mean Joe Simon worked for Joe Simon wrote Captain America, um, and and Simon and Schuster created you know. Um, you mean you mean Siegel and Schuster? Siegel, Siegel and Schuster. There you go. They created Superman, and and none of these. The thing is, is that whether it's Marvel or DC, it's not unique to those publishers, right? Because they had a they had a standard business model of the way that they treated their they, they treated their creators. Um, so, uh, I think that like you know when you enjoy these comics, you or the movies that are based on these comics, people should try to recognize um, what. The creators that created them, and just maybe take a minute and understand that. Next time you're out at Spider Man, just picture uh, Jack Kirby or Steve <laughs> Ditko just dying in poverty. I was gonna say, uh, Happy Birthday, Jack Kirby. Yeah, no, I'm not. You know, Jack Kirby, like he never complained. He did really well. Uh, Ditko, uh, Ditko, from everything that well, I understand, Jack Kirby had a lot of stuff left in him. You know, so, and not to demean anybody. I mean, but sometimes da- you just run out of ideas. Uh, hang on a second. What so, if those were the best ideas so, of life. So, so, so wait a minute. Ditko, Ditko's still alive. He's so, like 88. So Jack oh, Kirby, yeah. though, Jack Kirby, mm-hmm. I, I take it, died kind of with a chip on his shoulder. I'm guessing about the comic book business. No, well, did it, it, Todd I, just said he didn't complain. He didn't. He, he no, no, was, no, didn't complain. But I'm saying I'm sure that he was. He had a disdain for the for the business. I'm guessing. Well, I mean, if you look at what ha- what's going, what Alan Moore's going through with his his creation in DC Comics and Marvel Comics, like it, it's very similar to what what Kirby went through from like the 70s to the 90s. Um, and then on top of it, you know, Kirby probably did 10,000 pages of artwork for the guy for Marvel. But um, he only had about eleven hundred pages returned to him, and, all, and the only, and and the the thing that's really interesting is that not only did you know the publishers kind of steal that stuff from Kirby, but then because there was not a lot of market, there wasn't a lot of uh, reverence for these characters in those days. Um, the publishers would just give them to staffers, and. A lot yeah, of, now a lot. there's like contention about yeah. were they it? legally allowed to give it or. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I say something? Can I say that every comic book store should have a Todd Bernardi? Um, I, I, and there should be me, a combined comics? Let me do you one better and tell you that every comic store probably has a Todd Bernardi. <laughs> <laughs> they have several. Come here, kid. Yeah. I got to tell, you, gonna tell you a story. Jack Jack Kirby. Kirby. <laughs> I tell Come here, kid. Let me keep you from buying comics. <laughs> I'm absolutely not trying to tell people to buy comics, but if you care about comics, sure. don't buy it. I mean, and, and you <laughs> love it. <again. laughs> I'm not trying to tell people not to buy comics, but if you love comics, don't buy them. Shutter the comic stores. <laughs> Show your love. Hey, Todd. What I'm trying to say is, like, don't buy superhero comics. If you love comics, 
which is 90% of what's in here. That's exactly what I I know you love superheroes, but don't buy superheroes. Here's what I'm saying. All Todd is saying is that his next villain in his next comic is going to be called the Joy Sucker. And it's going to look like Stanley. It's going to look like He's gonna oh, be man. Like, he's like, what you got there? Like, I'm taking credit. He's like, come here, true believer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got, let he's me rip you off. And he puts, down people and he, and he, and he that look like Steve Ditko and, 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 and goes, Jack Kirby. Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> he's like, uh, did you write this and draw this? I'm going to put my name on it. Excelsior. <laughs> We're going to sell He's never going to do an appearance at this conference. That's right. Thanks a lot, Todd. Just know. He just know if you stand. Well, Todd doesn't. Just but. know once I publish this, they got the cadaver from Weekend at Burby's <laughs> to stand in for Stanley last year at Amazing Comic. Just know once I publish this podcast, it's over. Yeah. So just be aware. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. By the way, <laughs> all I can think about is Stanley coming down and getting Todd. Yeah, Look, I, hey, I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying don't enjoy superheroes if you love superheroes. You're just saying don't buy them. I know, I know. Yeah, just I don't just, buy them. You can enjoy them, just right, don't, yeah, buy don't, them. don't buy them. I'm not. I, I'm not trying <laughs> to. Rename me, you I'm not, Hey, I'm not trying. I, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to bully people out of that. But <laughs> I'm right. trying to say like, there's a difference between, um, you know, comic books. Uh, that are very artistic and well drawn and great stories and great characters and uh, that that now he's give about the project. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's yes. Todd, you are but a comic yes. you are a comic book artist, yes. yes? But yes. No, but I'm saying but I'm saying like just you know, buy comics. Well, um, what what if someone was a fan of the genre and like they knew the history, they knew all of that, but they, they just really liked the yeah. comic. That's you fine. still tell them, yeah, you shouldn't buy those. No, no. When I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally trying to support people that want to buy comics in general, and I think that it's, it's important for people to collect those comics if they want to co- have those collections. I absolutely understand. Sure. I'm the same way. I, I, I've got Batman comics. I'm not trying to talk people out of buying Batman. I've, I've come in here and spent a ton of money on Batman. You bought X Men '92 last week. Yeah, I, I bought. I bought, no, but he had a good reason. I bought. I, I bought X Men '92 because they got me where my feels with the with the flaming lips and the toadies. I was like, oh man, I gotta. I love those 90s. Here's the amazing thing is that we have a Comic-Con coming up November 5th and 6th, and I can't wait to do a live panel with Todd Bernardi. I can just Todd picketing the Comic-Con. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go in there. I think that that, most most comic book um, fans are aware of this type of history. And they're all, they're also very they're also very supportive of the uh, in other independent books like like Saga and and. But you see, and that's the beauty uh, of and that's the beauty of a of a con like the one that uh, we're throwing in Lahaina, is that it's about the very independent. It's about the artists, you know. And before and listen, and before Hollywood decided to take over the San Diego Comic Con, it was always about the artists. Yeah. And it was about the creators and the writers. Actually, San Diego was all about the comics. That's what yeah. I'm. That's what. But that's what I'm saying. But well, it was all the collectors and stuff in the lobby sure. trade and stuff back and forth. Sure, but, but, that, but I mean, like that was. But that those was, collectors would go, "Oh, this is written by Neil Neil Adams." Or, well, the thing oh, is, this the is by Jack Kirby. At the point Neil Adams was not a was, writer. Well, what I'm, no, what I'm saying is his name would be on the. His name would be on I'm the. Glad, I'm glad you watched from a very early episode that G doesn't know. No, but no, what I'm saying is that those names would come up and they would be on a comic book and they would go, okay, that's what I would, that's what I would pick up. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. those names would mean something. Right. That's what I'm talking about. So yeah. you know, and that, and those happens at those happened at cons and like I said, San Diego became such a huge like pop culture um, phenomenon. You know, and in some respects that's a good thing, and in some respects that's not a good thing. I, I think was it's just joking about not buying superhero comics. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I'm not just, I'm not really that that. Well, despicable. I was gonna shove it down your throat and be like, well, Invincible is a superhero comic, yeah. or Jupiter Circle or Legacy is a superhero comic, or Planetary is a superhero comic. Right, and they're all independent, and they're all uh, and all the creators that 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 are writing and drawing that are getting most of that money. And that's why I'm saying, why would you tell people not to buy that? Jerk? I'm not. I'm not saying that. that <laughs> I told I people. No I said, come here tomorrow. I know the plan. I didn't say not to buy superhero comics. I said not to buy Marvel or DC. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what about all the? What about all the? And all the, also this. What about all the great promising writers and artists who are working on at Marvel and DC? Who you know. Yeah. Don't they deserve some support? 
All I'm hearing it, is the guy a, who buys Batman comics. Is it's not just the evil bodies. money grubbers at the top. You know, it's the whole company. Hey, and I and I agree with that. And um, you point out a Thank wonderful you. artist that's working for Marvel and DC, and I'll say that they should get support. Wow, you are just so hardcore about I this. I Jeez, like Louise. No, I mean, I, I you know should. many. Yeah, I know. Jeez. There just seems to be no give with you. I'm glad you didn't open your mouth during Joe Rubenstein's interview because he would have ripped you a new I, one. I, that's what I'm, I wish he had done that. I really um, have wanted to hear that. Well, no. Yeah. I, well, I would. Joe Rubenstein knew Kirby. Like he 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 knew those guys. Right. And he knows what happens at Marvel and DC. And he understands. Sure, but he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be like down the with, down the, with them forever. He's no, no. Not like but the outside tra- picketing. The, but the trade off. The trade off is like: Do you want to draw superhero comics, or do you do you want to? You want to work in um, obscurity, and I think that there's a difference. But I and I th- I don't think that we all know what choice you made, Todd. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. But that and and, and that's what I'm saying. But but if you look at if you look at the underground comics, uh, like R. Crumb, R. Crumb decided to work in obscurity and still made a name for himself. Okay, you know what? And to that and to that, can I say something about that? And to his Who's R. Crumb. And to, to Robert Crumb, Robert Crumb, uh, Felix uh, the Cat. For not, oh. not Felix, not the Felix the Cat. Oh. Sorry, um, is Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Fritz Cat. The cat. Fritz. Oh. Let's made re- more popular by the animator Ralph Bakshi. Okay, and contention between who owns the rights and and not just Robert that. Crumb kind of backed out of it. Not just that. Like Crumb, Crumb did not like That's what uh, you said. Crumb's take. I'm excuse me. Like Crumb did not like Bakshi's take on. On his comic, because he took more liberties than Crumb was comfortable with. And right. I think, I mean, another, oh. I think another good, another good example of, of, him, of I, I only uh, knew You can actually watch Bakshi's version on YouTube right now. Uh, of of uh, Phoenix the Cat, I was going to say Fritz it again. Fritz the Cat, thank you. But uh, Mal- I think Mouse uh, by Spiegelman is also another good example of somebody that was underground that decided not to do superheroes but wanted to do comic books and ended up deciding to be. More obscure and then self-publishing, but then that guy. I won never a Pulitzer. finished Mouse, but Mouse was actually. I read a, uh, uh, a couple of issues of that. That was quite compelling. I never got to finish yeah. it though. It's, um, it's, it won a Pulitzer. Who was that? Just just Spiegel- watch Art Spiegelman. 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 Yeah. Just watch American Tale. Is that the same story? No, no, no. But I see. I mean, I'm. I mean, that's like saying, just watch Mickey. Let's put it this way: the 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 the, uh... air pirate funnies. (laughs) Yeah. Well, air pirate funnies was is a direct. The American Tail mice would be. It was basically pushing the. Let's put it this way: the American Tail, the American Tail mice would be oppressed by the ones in in Mouse. Let's put it that way. So. Well, they'd be cats. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, they would be dogs. Uh, the the my, like there's they, a joke be, that just passed. Maybe, no, because in the, in the American happened. Tale, the those the, they were the, the they were a representation of the Jews um, in the okay. American Tale. Um, and Mouse has to deal with um, well, not so much Jews in Jews. American Tale. It's like just immigrants, immigrants, from, from Eastern Europe. You know, yeah. But yeah. there's yeah. a very Jewish, gotcha. there's a very well, no, it was more like a gypsy feel because it was gypsy, Eastern, Eastern almost, European. Yeah. In, in well, Nazis time. didn't like them either. Well, yeah, and I mean, Mouse, and so, you got a point there, say, buddy. You, know, say, you would know. Mouse you would, would talk know. about Mouse is about fascism, yeah. totalitarianism, and things of that nature. So yeah, but it doesn't actually have mice. It does. It does. Oh, it does. Well, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like American Tale then. <laughs> yes. Yes or no? Okay. okay. For now, right, is there a boat? Um. Oh, uh, there's typhus. There... <laughs> oh, <laughs> the the boat? Yeah. No. The <laughs> oh, you mean the disease? Yeah. The oh, disease. okay. Gotcha. No, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Sorry. It's okay. So, so anyway, um, uh, uh, <laughs> you've managed, Todd. You I've managed to run off. You've managed to Gannon. run off Gannon and Alika tonight by, by my diet trap. <laughs> but uh, uh, this, you... is, this is more piloty than the pilot. Yeah. Can I? Uh, can I say this? Yeah. You can actually pick up Todd Bernardi's comic books here oh. at Maui Comics and Collectibles. No, don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> at three three three. You're the guy that always Dairy Road in Kahului. Uh, the oh, Kakui Project. So uh, of course, you can uh, get um, uh, Hard Candy Aftermath, and uh, he's also working on the latest uh, issue of uh, Disco Thunder Groovebone. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Todd, um, uh, there's a lot of people waiting on some eights. Some eights? Yeah. 
They're oh. gonna come in from the printer and. Did you say there's a lot of people waiting on some aids? Aids. Aids. Yeah. Aids. Apparently, people have been picking up the whole run of Kakui products. Wow, Bernardi. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Before it was four, now it's eight. Yeah. I give good oral. You know when you guys were uh, talking about the whole... I, I eat it, then I ate like, it. Like uh, creators getting content and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, I was talking to DJ, and he told me that he actually worked for a company where he created hundreds and hundreds of characters for a company that he worked for for free because he was stupid. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. As in DJ Calvicane, yeah. the Big Island uh, the comic DJ book publisher. No, I'm just <laughs> clarifying for the people that are listening. So that they, <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, people yes. listen to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No so one the, listens so, to uh, this. So he's the publisher of Exilion, um, and uh, he did he did that, did he? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, he, he, was, he was telling me, because uh, we're, we're kind of rapping about uh, character creations and mm-hmm. whatnot. Crazy. And he said that he... He pretty much did that. And when he was starting out, he created hundreds and hundreds of characters. Kirby himself. And that should yeah. be that's and the name of the show. He didn't have uh, no. Kirby himself. Like that. Like I that. guess creative control. Like after he created like the them, the company history. took them over. And that's I was crazy. Like, wow. Did he not? No, not he didn't. He didn't give me any names. Oh, okay. I was kind of curious. Uh, I didn't want to get company. anybody in trouble or nothing. I was right, just kind of right, curious. Right. Interesting. Well, uh, um, is is uh, is uh, Mr. Kiavikani still? Uh, will he still be in Maui next month? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's coming I know he's the, not coming to the con though. He, he's, he's not coming to the con, but he yeah. wants to. We're going to do a uh, recording with him. And he's going to be protesting him. outside with Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Don't buy superhero comics, guys. We're uh, we're going to be at uh, Amazing Hawaii Comic Con Special Edition. We're splitting a table there. Cool. And then um, he's not going to be able to make it to uh, Maui Con, unfortunately. He will be, however, probably appearing this weekend at Hawaii Con. Oh, very cool. Um, you know who's going to be at Hawaii Con, by the that's way? This weekend? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, not, it's not this weekend, maybe weekend after next. The, it's oh, very Star Trek centric. Like, Walter Kane is going to be there. Nichelle Nichols is going to be there. I met, I met Walter Kane. He, Did you? Great. Yeah, he, I, I heard he he's a really cool talk like story for like 45 minutes. Yeah, I heard he's a really Eugene cool cat. Gene Roddenberry. Uh, is he? Gene he's going to Hawaii? Son. Yeah, he, he's Rod- going to be yeah. at the Hawaii Con? He lives in Maui. No, I, love, I, I met him last Eugene year. Eugene Roddenberry lives. I did not know that. Wow, crazy! We hang out at Whole Foods. <laughs> did he? No. He got. He bought it. He bought a copy of the Kukui Project, and I was hanging out with another artist in Artist Alley, and so Nadia sold it to him. How long before you take it oh, to return oh. it? No, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm, I'm, actually, <laughs> I'm working on one of his homes here in Maui. And, oh, uh, can you say that? At the floor plan, and. Um, He's trying uh, to build his own enterprise. No, it, the floor <laughs> plan is in the shape of the Starfleet. Shut up. It's is there, is so there a captain's chair? That's awesome. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have... You know, don't every time you walk in the room, it's like... I, dun, just, dun, I dun, see dun. it from the top view. And, yeah. It's <laughs> the Starfleet. I'm don't like, be divulging cool. this kind of information without any... I'm sure so he's proud cool. of it. Yeah, good. Well, listen... <clears throat> I'm sure he's happy of country with Chris Christopherson yeah. and Oprah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, now that Todd's gone, we can get the show. Oh, jeez. He's back. Hey, welcome back, Todd. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. So out of two minutes of picketing, how many people did you <laughs> <laughs> No, anyway, listen. Uh, very interesting conversation. Just, just, he just stands up to the store and goes, <laughs> it's closed. Go away. <laughs> I don't have to do that. He goes on bathroom break. <laughs> well, don't don't let uh, listen. I, I like I, I, I like that. I, I really like I that love good, and I I really want everybody to know that Todd is expressing another interesting side of comic books that we don't very rarely that we rarely ever talk about, and it's important to bring up. Yeah, the obscurest d bag angle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be like that, but I'm that's trying to help just, you out, Todd. Thanks. I'm just trying to say like that. I'm not I'm trying, trying to be like that, but it just comes natural, and I can't help myself. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, what Marvel and DC is not doing, that what they're doing right now, isn't uh, isn't good. I'm not saying that you guys shouldn't be a fan of it, but um, just look a little deeper. Is all Interesting. I'm now, is, like I'm just, I'm just saying, like I, I'm not saying don't buy the cover. If they're not reading, if they don't have underwear on the outside, I'm not opening that book. Well, I know how you feel about the costumes. <laughs> can we, can we, can we, can we all agree with this? Now that Disney owns Marvel, yeah. Marvel is actually getting a taste of its own medicine. Don't you think? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So also, I mean, that's a good thing. 
Yeah, I mean, also, also formats. Uh, well, now now everything Marvel does has to be run through Disney corporate, uh-huh. and that can be. And from what I understand, Disney corporate is very stringent on the content that uh, uh, comes out of their studio or their art department. Or but, but is it the same? Like they're all making money, right? Uh well. I'm or is sh- it just Disney making money and Marvel's like, hey, but we made this stuff. Well, I can guarantee you that I can guarantee you that there are people that are artists at uh, at Disney that are working on Disney projects that created some of these characters that probably don't get credit for them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming That's all of them. Somebody created right. each and every one of their characters. Right. Right. right, right. But I'm sure that they that there are some that are not getting proper due credit and I'm saying that, that now Marvel is getting a taste of its own medicine because now like they the aren't uh, <clears throat> was it Walter Lansing who worked with Mickey or uh, Walt Disney one of those famous animators isn't Lansing the guy who created Woody Woodpecker yeah but they're all around the same era <laughs> I'm trying to think that <laughs> there was a famous animator that Disney screwed out of uh, oh I can tell you one of them or one that laughed Don Bluth Oh, yeah. I mean, that's later. That's later, though. Yeah. I'm talking about in the golden age, like the 30s and 40s. Interesting. Interesting. Well, listen. Todd's gone. Uh, rejoice, because we can buy comics here at Maui Comics and Collectibles. 333 Dairy Road in Kahului. Superhero or other. It doesn't matter. We do not... Underwear we, on the outside. <laughs> that's right. We do not discriminate against superhero comic books, because he has them all here, independent and mass market, uh, and they're all here at uh, 333 Dairy Road in Kahului, Maui Comics and Collectibles. And uh, more information, thank you, sir, more information on the Maui Comic Con coming up November 5th and 6th. Uh, we've already, um, I should say, the one, uh, uh, Alika has already confirmed Mr. Le Aloha coming to the to the con as well. Any Le new Aloha. announcements as well? Um, we're going to have some big ones coming up pretty soon. Interesting. But just cool. suffice it to say that uh, James Silvani, the artist from Darkwing Duck. Of course. Duck, it's gonna have some company. I noticed you put up. An, I noticed you put up a page on Facebook as well, an event page. We're slowly filling it. Uh, bear with us. Um, we're just working out uh, all the details how we want to present it, but we're we're slowly filling it up. So thanks everybody for for being uh, passionate about it. Lots of interest already. Of course, yeah. Which is very cool. I can't. I, I mean, very, co- comics. Comics have always been a big thing on Maui. So yeah, for sure. I, I think I think it's more of just trying to get everybody down in the same day. <laughs> I am just excited to see what Ganon's going to be dressed up as when he goes. I wonder what he's cosplaying. You. You're going to cosplay as me? Yeah. You're doing a good job already, minus the tattoos. Uh, I know. You're good. Anyway, uh, listen, folks. Um, Nerdwatch presents uh, Bernardi's Mail Sack or Nerdwatch Nights or Nerdwatch Men. We need need a new title. Oh, Nerdwatch Men has come to an end. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm, no, I'm just I don't like. For, for every reboot, maybe, maybe, maybe go out and see Na- Native Sons by Mark Gould or Pineapple Man by Sam Campos. Or, I could have swore I was ending the show. Or Exilion <laughs> by DJ Kamikaze. You saw Kami microphone Kane. picked it up and just decided. Uh, I'm just saying for, for, for every. For but every, I'm not going to interrupt him because these are actually good good guys. He's mentioning. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, for for every mm-hmm. you know for every all new X Men number one, mm-hmm. go maybe go check out a Hawaii. Local Hawaii comic book artist. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for the guys in the mainland listen to this. We should. Uh, well, and yeah, we should. hey, there's tons of guys. On yeah, the contact mainland. the store if you yeah. guys are interested in getting a local comic. Yeah, and and there's and there's tons of there's tons of local guys. You go. I don't know how it works, but yeah, apparently it works. Yeah. If you go Hold into up, if you in go envelope. into your local comic book shop, a lot of local comic book shops create uh, <laughs> support their local comic book creators in in that city, and there's there's lots of people yes. out there that are. Or we're checking out. So. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not discourage supporting local comic book stores by picking up local comic books at your local comic book store, wherever there, that may be. Is there such a thing as like an indie con where it's only independent yeah. artists? Uh, there's one called and, in, like uh, comic there's, creators. There's one called Staple in Austin. Um, there's one in uh, Maryland. Um, there's one. Um, they're, they're they're all over the place. There was one called Alternative Press Expo that was in San Francisco, but now I think it's moved back to San Jose. Um, so there's almost one in every coast and, and also in the middle of America, too. So. Well, here's, oh, cool. here, but at least we all know one thing now. After tonight's little episode, we all know why when we ever see Todd at a con, he's always moping at his table. Um, I'm always very happy. In my, I love comic book conventions. <laughs> yeah, I love at the, Amazing Con, you're happy to sell a Civil War plane. 
Yeah, I, <laughs> that's true. Well, I, I, I didn't sell that Civil War blanket. I amazing. I sold it at Comic-Con Honolulu. Oh. And, uh... Big I, difference. Well, no, it says you look so happy trying to sell it. I, I was like... You want this Civil War thing? I did this little I, sketch on. It's really funny. I got a lot of people looking at that, and I was like, why are you guys looking at that? That's yeah, not that... The sad part is most people walked up to the table because it of was that. such a good rendition. That, no, they no, they didn't. A lot of a lot of people came up to talk to me. Not about when I was an actual it. character. Oh, oh, they well, listen, you've created quite a few characters, sir, and you can all check them out here at Maui Comics and Collectibles. With well, uh, listen, Gannon, and, what? I, Go ahead. I love you, Alika. Lies. <laughs> we can bro bro hug it out. Yeah, after we, we the can pod. bro down after this. You need me, but you're just <clears throat> yeah. You're chopping me down, man. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're out of time, uh, ladies and gentlemen and nerds. Uh, Nerdwatch Nights has come to an end. Uh, Nerdwatch Men has also come to an end. Uh, Whatever we want to call it. You you decide. Hit us up on Facebook.com slash The Nerdwatch. Hit us up on Instagram at The underscore Nerdwatch. Hit us up on Twitter at Nerdwatch Nation. We're trying to... We're also trying to uh, make a show. We're trying to, <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, we're also make try- something that sticks. Yeah. We're trying to work out an issue a lot uh, with YouTube, which will be taken care of. You can also see us on YouTube yeah. as well at Nerdwatch Nation too. So uh, forget- we should just keep posting. Yeah. None of our stuff got demonetized because no. we never monetized it's anything in the first place. So Gannon, thanks for joining us tonight. Magnum, and I hope you're ready for part one of the show coming up next. Part one. Wait, we're recording. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I count. not set up. That's right. So, so for Gannon and for the one and only format. Yo, yo. The one and only Magnum. The Swan, the comic book henchman, and for the man who made me realize, who's brought me back down to reality about comic books, Todd Bernardi. Um, and creators, all creators of comic books should be appreciated. Yeah, maybe next week you can ruin ice cream for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got a preservative in it that makes... Oh, man. <laughs> that causes cancer and diabetes. Yeah, that works. I was joking. Your realities are uh, are really ruining other people's fantasies, which is really bad. So uh, until, uh, until next week uh, for Nerdwatch Men, uh, peace out and much love and most assuredly... Always stay nerdy. Why do I like you? <laughs> you don't. How does this work? And until uh, next week, we say to you, uh, Aloha. We're out of time. See you guys. Aloha. Move Magnum. Wet koala.